The Daily 202 is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, March 5th. In today's news, a potential breakthrough in finding a cure to HIV. Venezuela's opposition leader does not get arrested when he returns home. And President Trump snubs female sports champions. But first, the big idea. The House Judiciary Committee opened a sprawling investigation into the president's alleged abuses of power by requesting documents from 80 Trump-affiliated people and institutions. But rather than a targeted approach, Monday's request was broad, reaching current and former campaign staffers, top Trump organization officials, as well as documents and communications from the National Rifle Association and the British consulting firm Cambridge Analytica. The inquiry touched on a wide array of matters, from the president's business dealings with Russia to the firing of former FBI director Jim Comey to hush payments made to women. Those receiving letters from the House Judiciary Committee include the president's two eldest sons, Don Jr. and Eric, his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, his former personal secretary, Rona Graff, Alan Weiselberg, the chief financial officer of his business, and former top White House aides Hope Hicks, Sean Spicer, and Steve Bannon. Other demands for documents have been directed to institutions like the White House, the Justice Department, the Trump campaign, the transition team, and the Trump organization. The vast range of requests raised the specter of unfocused inquiries that could last years and involve multiple committees competing for witnesses and documents. For example, hours after Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler's letters went public, the chairman of three other committees asked Acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo for any documents related to Trump's interactions with Vladimir Putin. Nadler had sought the same information, raises questions about what kind of coordination is going on behind the scenes. Initially, in the afternoon, the president said he would be cooperative. Then, late last night around 10 p.m., White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders put out a lengthy statement calling Nadler's investigation shameful and disgraceful. She added, quote, Democrats are harassing the president to distract from their radical agenda of making America a socialist country, killing babies after they're born, and pushing a Green New Deal that would bankrupt America. Meanwhile, Attorney General William Barr formally announced that he will not recuse himself from overseeing special counsel Bob Mueller's probe in its closing phases. And Jim Comey has an op-ed in today's Post making the case that Barr can abide by Justice Department guidelines and still be transparent about Mueller's findings. The ousted FBI director says providing detailed information about a completed investigation of intense public interest has long been a part of Justice Department practice. In other Russiagate news, Roger Stone's lawyers told a federal judge last night that, quote, it did not occur to them to inform her that a new book from Stone coming out soon may violate a gag order. In the book, Stone attacks Mueller as crooked and accuses what he calls deep state liberals of seeking to silence him. It's an updated introduction to a book he wrote about the 2016 campaign, which he's retitled The Myth of Russian Collusion. Stone was put under a gag order on February 21st, and his lawyers say the book was shipped to the printer before the order was issued. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, some good news. A London man has been in remission from HIV for a year and a half without drugs. 
after receiving a stem cell transplant of virus-resistant cells. This raises the prospect that he's become the second person to be cured of the disease. The London patient's case was cautiously reported in the journal Nature, as it's still too premature to be definitively declared a cure. This comes a decade after Timothy Brown, known in medical circles as the Berlin patient, was cured by a similar stem cell transplant, galvanizing the field of HIV research and sparking the search for a cure. The new London patient, infected with HIV and suffering from Hodgkin's lymphoma, received bone marrow cells from a donor who had a malfunctioning CCR5 gene as part of his cancer treatment. The gene is known to create a protein that is crucial for HIV to invade blood cells. This is very promising research. Number two, amid fears that he might be arrested, Venezuelan opposition leader Juan Guaido made it back safely to the country and addressed thousands at an anti-government rally. Diplomats from the United States, Europe, and Latin America were on hand at the airport Monday to ensure Guaido was not harmed. Maduro has said that Guaido will face justice if he comes home, and Venezuelans were uncertain until the last minute about when and where he would arrive. Security was heavier than usual at the airport when Guaido's plane landed from Panama, but the opposition leader cleared immigration and then went on to lead a packed rally in a plaza in southeastern Caracas with no interference from the cops. Many appeared relieved and re-energized by Guaido's appearance. Maduro, interestingly, did not comment on Guaido's return. Instead, he tweeted that Venezuelans should enjoy the carnival holidays this week. Number three, President Trump continues to snub female champions. Yesterday, the president brought the North Dakota State football team, which won a championship in the NCAA's Division II, to the White House for a big celebration. It was on par with what Clemson's football team got for their Division I championship. That drew attention to the fact that Trump has not held a single solo event to honor a women's championship team in college or professional sports during his more than two years in office. The last time a lower-level division college football team scored an invite to the White House was 1995, when Bill Clinton's political team brought the Youngstown State folks to the White House because they wanted to carry Ohio in 1996. In this case, Trump agreed to hold the special event for North Dakota State at the personal request of Senator John Hoven, a Republican from North Dakota. Perhaps he needed his vote for something. The past two WNBA champions, the Minnesota Lynx in 2017 and the Seattle Storm in 2018, were not invited to the White House, nor was the Notre Dame women's basketball team, which won the NCAA Division I title in 2018 before a crowd of around 20,000 more than the near 18,000 who attended North Dakota's football title game in January. White House officials did not respond to requests for comment. Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama regularly invited women's teams. The Lynx made three trips to the White House during the Obama era, and the Storm made two. Every women's college basketball champion was invited to the White House since 1983 until Trump took office. That's five presidents. Trump invited the South Carolina women's basketball team, which won the 2017 title, to participate in an event with 18 other men's and women's college championship teams from non-revenue-generating sports back in November 2017. But the Gamecocks turned down such a group visit. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, March 5th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.